Welcome to Second Wind with Joyce Buford, a program focused for and about women. Joyce Buford is a certified coach who has a passion for helping women who need a second wind. It's so empowering for women to hear about other women and their accomplishments. If you're going through any of life's transitions, this program is for you. Joyce is president and founder of Joy After Divorce, a one-on-one coaching practice that helps women rebuild and redesign their lives after divorce. As a certified coach, she's had extensive training, including mentoring and training by Jack Canfield of the Chicken Soup book series. Joyce is also a member of Leadership Texas. On today's program, Joyce and her guests will help you learn how to get your second wind. Now here's our host and coach, Joyce Buford. as usual, a wonderful show that's going to be coming to you. Um, You know, Second Wind, again, let me remind you, is all about women and the changes that we go through. We are the nurturers of the world, and because we are, we take on so many hats, so many jobs that sometimes we just wear ourselves out. And when we do, we need the help of a Second Wind to get us going. So that's why this radio show is to give each of my listeners a second wind to help move them forward. So anyway, I'm so happy to be with you today. I kind of remember before introducing my guest, I kind of remember the day because we're going to be talking about photography as part of this show, but I confess I am a novice when it comes to taking pictures. I am what they call a point-and-shoot type of photographer-taker. My pictures are of special times with my family, lots of travel memories, and I have tons of not-so-good pictures among a few good pictures. But we have seen a huge shift in the world of photography through the last 10 years, even with the growth of the cell phone particularly. I don't panic anymore when I, when the growth of us, I don't panic anymore when I realize I have left my camera at home and I'm headed out the door because I know I've got my trusty backup iPhone with me. And I love having that convenience. I admit I am an iPhone user most of the time now. The pictures are really great to me, and I remember I am the novice, so my quality requirements are not that high, but I'm told that the quality of the iPhone is very good. I also was remembering the period of the Polaroid. That was when I was uh, mothering And I took several pictures of my precious babies with my Polaroid camera. The neat thing was you take a picture and instantly the print rolled out of the camera and you could hand it to whoever was there to see the picture. It was amazing and it was the hottest thing during those days. But you know, (laughs) since I've recently been moving and I found some of those pictures. 
I realized the convenience that they had really lacked a lot of quality in the material. The color of the images have faded so much that it's difficult to make out the picture. And my precious, precious memories are sadly slowly fading away. Well, our guest today is a woman that has had lots of history with photography. She has even expanded it into the framing industry in being a special framer with high quality. And so I'm really very excited to spend some time visiting with her about all of this. So Nina, I welcome you this morning. Um, I want I want to share a little bit about your history, but before we go on, I want to just say hi. We're so happy that you're with us today. Well, thank you, Joyce. Hi. <laughs> I'm so happy to be here. I'm excited. How, how is it up there in New Hampshire? Oh, today is an absolutely beautiful day. Absolutely. Is it? <laughs> yep. I'm, 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 in, I'm New York, though. I'm in East Hampton, New York, on the east end yep. of Long Island. Yes. Yeah. So... Nina's history is, just because I'm going to refresh your memory, Nina, but I'm also going to <laughs> share it with the guests. You are in Wainscott, New York. Yep. Where you Wayne's- own, did Sorry. I say, did I uh, say Wainscott's that right? a, uh, Wainscott's a little tiny part of East Hampton. And your business up there, you are the owner of East Hampton Picture Framing. Yep. Right? Yep. Your history is that you are a certified professional picture framer and played a very active part in that association over the years. Your framing started in 1974, your journey with framing, in in the new gallery in Huntington. Mm -hmm. And your first project, I couldn't believe this, was framing an original watercolor from the 1940s by Salvador Dali. Yep. You know, you know that just made me shudder when I read that statement. I would be so nervous. <laughs> I'd say, oh my gosh, I could hardly frame the piece, I would think. But anyway, you moved on and trained as a master framer at the Oyster Bay Frame Shop. Mm-hmm. And then you opened your own facility, the Oyster Bay Frame Shop, uh, in 1980. So you bought the existing uh, business was that it? No, I started my own from scratch, and and you owned that for seven years. Yes, ma'am. So you have been very, very, very busy in the framing business. Yep. Yeah. So I'm excited to talk about it because of some of the conversations that we had earlier about your uh, framing of beautiful works of art. But tell me about how you. Um, how did you do on that Salvador Dali piece? <laughs> I well, was so fascinated. Well, that was just my first job to go to the framer, and he just showed me how to do it. Uh-huh. Uh, it, was, uh, it was a beautiful piece. Uh-huh. It was a huge watercolor. It was almost as big as me. <gasps> and uh, I had to carry it down the street to the framer. And he picked out a beautiful frame, you know, a gold frame with a panel color on it that was nice. 
And he showed me how, you know, you were going to put the mat on it and the kind of special glass that he had. And I just left it with the guy and came back. And it was all done when I came back. It was beautiful. Oh, and I, think I was... sold it for a huge amount of money, too. <laughs> well, I was picturing you actually doing the framing. Oh, no. Oh, no. Okay. No, no, no. Well, my first okay. job was just to go to the framer and, you know, and figure out how it worked and put it together and explain uh, it to him. Yeah. Well, now, before we go on into the adult, Nina, I'd like to go back because I always like to visit with my guests a little bit about where their art really started, and we know that was in your youth. And so you actually started when you were 17 years old in the framing business, uh-huh. being a um, an aide or working in a framer's shop. But even before that... You talked about your love of dance. I was a ballet dancer since I was a little girl. Yeah? Um, yeah, my, my mom and dad took me to ballet classes since I was four. Uh-huh. And, uh, I got into my first ballet company when I was 13. And oh. I was really working full-time in the ballet company from when I was 15 all the way till I was 40. So 25 years of working in ballet companies. Yeah. Yeah, I was with seven different regional ballet companies, and wow. um, it was fun. It was really fun. It was a wonderful, it was a wonderful way to grow up. Now you said you kind of just came in. You really didn't have a choice because both of your parents were dancers, so you just kind of got that gene, right? It just passed yeah. through you. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure I did. I didn't have any choice. <laughs> You were remember, born to be a dancer, honey. I was, you know. I, I think my first memory of my father was teaching me how to rumbo when I was about just big enough to stand up. And mm-hmm. he would hold me on his feet, you know, and hold my hands and mm-hmm. rumbo around. And my mother would be laughing and playing the music and all <laughs> my life. <laughs> so your family was very uh, artistic and very talented. Well, they were both dancers. My uh, my dad was a rumba dancer and a ballroom dancing teacher in New York um, uh-huh. and my mother was a tango dancer and they both I think they met at the Copacabana in New York City uh-huh. uh, during the night during the war World War II 1946 1945 uh-huh and and were you did you grow up in New York City no on Long Island they had already uh, they got married in 46 and I was born in 1957 so they had moved to Long Island by then so oh, okay. Suburb of Manhattan. They both worked in Manhattan, but yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. So, all right. So you did the dancing, and mm-hmm. then how did you make the transition to the? Was it to the photography world or to the framing world first? Well, right out of high school, I was working as an assistant for a photographer. Mm-hmm. And um, he had a model agency, and he shot a lot of models every week. And mm-hmm. so I helped him in the studio, setting up the studio lighting and preparing the models and getting everybody ready. And uh, I answered his phone and ran his office stuff, too, Yeah, when he uh. was in the shop. He did book jackets and rev- record covers and stock photography, mm-hmm. and film and stock photography. I think mm-hmm. I was on a couple of book jackets that he shot me for <laughs> that sounds fun. Yeah, it was really fun. And, and like, you know, you talk about times of transition, you know, he was getting divorced and he couldn't pay me anymore. And so he brought me over to a frame shop and got me a job 
and uh-huh. said, this girl's really good, hire her, you know, she'll be great. And so I worked there for a couple of years and they taught me how. And uh, that fellow was getting ready to be moving on as well. So when we return with more of Second Wind with Joyce Buford after this short break. Coming live from Seattle, Washington, home of the biggest and best internet companies on the World Wide Web. It's SEO Radio, starring Brandon Knox. Tuesday nights at Jim Central, 8 p.m. Pacific on Toginet.com. SEO Radio. This pioneering internet and social media entrepreneur will share some of his most super efficient opportunities with you, small business owners, and future entrepreneurs to help you build a future like Amazon or Expedia Online. There's never been a marketing strategy that's been so effective at allowing small businesses to compete with the big boys. And Brandon now helps you learn these easy as one, two, three. SEO. For more on Brandon, check out his website, SeattleOrganicSEO.com. SEO Radio. It's set for SEO Radio, starring Brandon Knox. Tuesday nights at 10 Central, 8 p.m. Pacific, on Toginet.com. Get ready for smart health with your host, Dr. Glenn Mia. Friday afternoons at 2 p.m. Central on the Rockstar Radio Network. Smart Health is a one-hour program dedicated to discussions, interviews, and news in the ever-changing world of medicine. Information leads to smart choices, and smart choices lead to a healthier lifestyle. That's the quote of host and broadcast journalist, Dr. Glenn Mia, M.D. This magazine-style radio show is a fast-paced program bringing together medical experts, authors, and patients to examine what works and what doesn't in staying healthy. Dr. Glenn Mia is a board-certified physician in pediatrics and internal medicine. His philosophy to wellness starts with an investment. He says proper nutrition, rest, and exercise are the best personal investments to maintaining good health. So join us for Smart Health with Dr. Glenn Mia. Fridays at 2 p.m. Central on the Rockstar Radio Network. Welcome back to Second Wind with Joyce Buford, a program focused for and about women. This is a show about how to attain your dreams. Now to help you create the life you want to live to its fullest, here is coach and author of Celebrating 365 Days of Gratitude, Joyce Buford. Welcome back. We are listening to Nina Bataller, and we are talking about the world of photography and picture framing. So, Nina, tell us again, uh, refresh our minds about your business and how you got into doing the actual framing. Why were you drawn toward that instead of your picture taking? When did you get into picture taking? I think I asked you about six different questions there, so pick one. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, let's see. Well, I was working for a photographer when I got out of high school. And so he trained me, he trained me with a camera and he trained me to run his studio. Uh-huh. Um, and then he was getting divorced. So he brought me over to a frame shop and dropped me off and um, told me, to work here. You, you should work here. This will be great. They need you. <laughs> and so my introduction. <laughs> and you're good. Yeah, and, and, well, basically. And, uh, yeah. And it was kind of funny because I didn't know anything about really working in a frame shop. I had taken this wonderful painting to a framer one time and worked out the whole framing thing of it when I was working in an art gallery. 
Um, but that was when I was in high school as well. So when I was in my 20s, I started this frame shop. And it was in a beautiful area in Oyster Bay, New York, on the North Shore. I had a wonderful clientele and fabulous art coming in all the time. It was a little tiny little store. And uh, my mother co-signed a loan for me, you know, at the bank so I could do the whole thing myself. And I, was, I never missed a payment. I was always on time. I was real proud of that. You know, it took a couple of years to pay it all back. And uh, I had so that. how old were you at this time, Nina? I was 23 when I started. Yeah, 1980. Yeah, that's really young. Yeah, that's a good job. Yeah, it was it was fun. And yeah. uh, I had gone to Stone I had gone to college and studied math, so I had a pure math background. Uh-huh. And uh I was all done with school, so I opened up this little frame shop and I ran that for seven years and I sold it. I sold it when I got married. Mm. And uh after a couple of years of that, I went, actually, while I was married, I went back to school for interior design, and I got my degree in interior design. Yeah. And um, a couple of years into that, things weren't working out as well as they could have. Yes. And but so, did you actually ever go into the design business? I, I, worked, for, I worked for a couple of designers. Um, yeah. And I really saw that it was a business that I did not want to do with the rest of my life. I really like framing. Framing is really nice. You know, the people are wonderful. The trade people are wonderful. The jobs are fun. You know, the houses are beautiful and the art was right. wonderful. Yeah. And the interior design business, you had to deal with a lot of trade people. And I maybe it might have just been my experience of the people I worked for. But yeah, it wasn't it wasn't nice. It, you know, <laughs> there's just a lot, of, a lot of people did a lot of yelling and screaming that I just watch amazement. Like, why are you guys so upset about all this? You know, when the plumber didn't show up or the electrician and this didn't happen and the wall got put in the wrong place and just all kinds uh-huh. of sense. And after a couple yeah. of years of that, I just knew that was not what I wanted to do with my life. And then I really missed picture framing. So I um, was thinking about getting divorced. So I got divorced and to talk about transitions. I moved 75 miles east to East Hampton, New York. And I opened uh-huh. up my store in the middle of East Hampton Village. And uh, I worked there. And I'm still, I worked there until, uh, I think I was in town 11 years, right in the middle of the village. Right. In this nice little store that was just wonderful that I loved. And uh, the landlord was selling the building. So then we had yet another transition when we got to uh, figure out, okay, what are we going to do now? They're selling the building. It was for sale for a long time, but I knew sooner or later he'd get his price for it. And he did. Mm-hmm. So I'm moved into Wainscott, which is like a hamlet in East Hampton. It's right outside of town. We don't get any mail delivery or anything like that. It's a really <laughs> small village. But it's yeah. real beautiful. It's right by the beach. And uh, I bought uh, this building where my mm-hmm. frame shop is now mm-hmm. on the Highway. And best. I, pr- I probably have the best location sometimes, I think, in the United States because it's on the perfect road and I have a nice piece of property and I have nice trees and I'm I can smell the water sometimes when the wind comes through the trees because it's mm-hmm. about a mile away. <clears throat> oh, me. wow. That's great. Yeah. You know, great. when I went to your website, it was such a pleasant website to visit because <laughs> you just immediately took a deep breath and relaxed. You know, it, it just, your website really gives that to your visitors uh, of how inviting the place is just to visit. <laughs> so it, it was really pretty neat. In a, in addition to there's a, a great picture in 
of, of your work there in some of your photography. And so anyway, it's, it was a nice um, site to visit. And yes. And so what is your philosophy? I noticed there was a comment on here about your philosophy about framing. And what is your philosophy on framing pictures? Well, I mean, mostly you ask a lot of questions. You know, framing is a service business. Uh So, you know, people come to you with this thing in their hand and they just want you to make it done and on the wall and looking great. And everybody's idea of looking great is different. And everybody's idea of what belongs where and how things should be framed is really different. So the way that you get to that is by asking a lot of questions yes. and finding out what really will serve them in the best way possible. Right. Well, sometimes people come and they, they want you to come to their house. And could you come over and just look at my house? And then when you've looked, then we'll come back to the store and then we'll choose things. And if we have to, we'll go back to the house again. Ah. Oh. So you're really getting a personal, you're almost being invited into their home as far as to know them better so that yeah. you can reflect through the picture. You've seen their art, why they were drawn to this piece. Mm-hmm. And we did discuss that they're not always the most expensive pieces, but even the most inexpensive piece can turn into a real treasure when it is framed in a way that it enhances the beauty of the piece. Um, And I work for some of the richest people in the world, and, you know, Uh, all their art isn't expensive. You know, it's personal. The things that people hang on their walls are personal to them. They're the things that remind them of places that they've been, like photographs, or things that they've bought along the way, a watercolor that they picked up at a fair or, Mm -hmm. you know, some sort, some little town that they were in somewhere in Europe or Asia or far reaches of the world. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they'll carry it home real carefully in their suitcase and they'll bring Mm -hmm. it in real proud and say, look what I bought, you know. (laughs) I was like, okay, Uh, cool. What are we going to do with it? How are we going to make it look nice, you know? Well, my art is always a reflection of where I've been. And I love to travel. So it is a collect, an interesting collection because it's a piece from Asia next to an African piece. To an, <laughs> I mean, it's very eclectic. But it's me. It's what reflects me. And so I love every piece that's on my wall. But it's always a, a collection and should be a reflection of the person's home, mm-hmm. I think. That's my opinion. Uh, there are some people that collect art because of the name and uh, the value, of course, uh, serious art collectors. But uh, my art is not exactly that. Yeah. Now, those people are few and far between, too. Yeah. Most everybody hangs stuff on their walls that means something to them. Yeah. Well, I came from Santa Fe. I've spent the last seven years on and off out in Santa Fe Mm -hmm. and have been exposed to a a group called Sight that's in Santa Fe. And they they are, a lot of the people involved in that organization are, I want to say, contemporary uh, enthusiasts. They... Uh, and I really joined the organization to learn more about that art. And so it was indeed an eye-opener to go and visit in Chicago and and other cities like that, art collections that were very, very, very contemporary. And um, 
So it was a whole new world for me. Um, but when you're talking about helping somebody with their art in framing it, I know that you get into uh, uh, people that really don't have taste. I mean, they may have money, <laughs> but they don't have taste. So I, it's a delicate place you have to tread to meet their needs and yet present a good piece, right? Well, you ever find that difficult? Uh, everybody's got taste. It just might not be the same as yours. You know, and it might not be the same as mine. Some of it might be bad, but if they've got taste. It's their taste, right? And, and, you know, so what happens, though, is you really honor them if you don't judge it. Yeah. And so to say that I really, I got to tell you, it's almost never in, in 30 years have I ever said that somebody just didn't have any taste and they don't get it. Because right. most people, you know, you ask them what it is that they're looking for that makes them happy. So if you approach framing from giving somebody something that's going to make them feel really good about it, mm -hmm. you can't really lose. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like it doesn't have to be my idea of what good taste is ever. It's just right. what will work. I'll never sell anything ugly. I mean, that's my sort of my line that I draw on the sand. If I think something's real ugly, bad idea. Don't do it. Because, <laughs> you know, somebody will tell them. <laughs> <laughs> somebody will look and go, oh, that's horrible. Why'd you do? You know, if you, everything you make, you always feel in your own sense of integrity is that this is beautiful and I'm proud of it. Right. Well, pretty much, you know, you can't really go wrong. Once in a while, somebody really wants something horrible. You know, you have to, you have to ask them to sign off on it and say, well, explain to me why. And I think I gave you that example. I was telling you about a lady who came in once with, 40 Albrecht Dürer pr prints, you know, and yeah. they were gorgeous, these black and white engravings from way back when. And, you know, she asked me to put green mats on them with gold frames and gold lines. And I okay. Before we go too far, because this is a wonderful story and I want to share it, is that we're going to take a brief moment away for a little commercial here. And then I want to come back and do that story, Nina, because it's, it is, it's a beautiful example of working with a client that maybe doesn't always have the same taste that we think or we have. And so it is a wonderful lesson that, that share, that, you share with us with that story. So I really appreciate that we are having this opportunity to talk with Nina. I'm just Bataller. Why do I try to just make your name so difficult? But anyway, we will be back shortly to visit more with Nina. We return with more of Second Wind with Joyce Buford after this short break. Evermore, people have the means to live, but no meaning to live for. These are the words of Dr. Viktor Frankl, the inspiration for the movie Victor and I. That's V-I-K-T-O-R and I, movie.com. And TalkSense Radio, The Meaning Connection, with host Mary Similuka. And frequent contributor, Alexander Vesley. Friday afternoons at 3, 2 central on toginet.com. More and more people today are discarding their quest for money, possessions, and things. And are instead beginning a serious quest to find meaning in life. Until now, these discussions were historically in the hands of priests, ministers, and scribes. Then to philosophers, psychiatrists, and psychologists. Now... 
These deep discussions are where they should be, in the hands of individuals, on the air, with you. Talk Sense Radio, the meaning connection, with your host, Mary Similuka, and frequent contributor, Alexander Vesley. Friday afternoons at 3, 2 Central, on Toginet.com. Whether you're four and a half or 100, you can retrain your brain. Learning RX, the radio show, is on Toginet.com, Thursday mornings at 8 a.m. Central Time with Martin Kruger. Learning RX programs are quick, they're efficient, they're life changing, and they're permanent. Unlike tutoring, cognitive skills training or brain training targets the root issue causing learning struggles. Time and money spent on chronic tutoring is a clear signal of cognitive skill deficiency. That's where Learning RX comes in. Call today, 903 617 6899. 903 617 6899. Then join us for the show here every Thursday morning at 8 a.m. And take advantage of the power it holds to improve your life. There are so many brain training issues that Learning RX can help you with. It's not a product, it's an experience. So join us for Learning RX, the radio show with Martin Kruger. Thursday mornings at 8 a.m. Central on Toginet.com. Welcome back to Second Wind with Joyce Buford, a program focused for and about women. This is a show about how to attain your dreams. Now to help you create the life you want to live to its fullest, here is coach and author of Celebrating 365 Days of Gratitude, Joyce Buford. Welcome back. We are listening to Nina Bateller, and she has a framing business in the Southamptons. Uh, is that right? Did I say that right? No, not really. No, it's not really? It's close. <laughs> no, well, everybody out here calls it the fabulous Hamptons, you know, but I'm in East Hampton, New York. Oh, well, you know, I think I'm going to have to come visit, and then I might understand sure, you're more the than layout of the land. It's absolutely beautiful anytime you like. <laughs> so, all right, you were starting to tell us, Nina, about this wonderful story. So if you'll start from the beginning, I really want them to hear it from the beginning. Oh, sure. Well, I just, um, you were asking, what did you ask me exactly? Uh, you know, how about come when the- people come and ask you to do something that you think is in bad taste? Yes. And so this nice lady came, and I was all of 23, and she was probably close to 80, and she brought in these Albrecht Dorr prints, and I was looking at them going, oh, my God, you know, do you know who this is? These are so old. And, and she looked at me, and she said, well, we're going to put these lime green mats on them with these gold frames and these gold lines on the mats. And I looked at her. I was like, you can't do that. These are, you know. And I was looking at it from the point of view of, you know, the art has to speak, and you don't put green mats on things. Yeah. And she very seriously looked at me and said, young lady. You're going to come to my house and hang these, and I'm going to show you why you should never tell somebody not to give, you know, don't give people what they want. Uh I said, okay, and you'll see. Now, it turns out this lady was a very famous interior designer, and she was a contemporary of Billy Baldwin in New York, and she was very well-respected, you know, of her generation. Yes. And, uh, And I did frame them in the green mats and the gold frames and brought them to her house and delivered and hung them for her. And it was an eye-opening stunner. It was so beautiful. They Uh looked so gorgeous. The walls and the floors, everything was all in these beautiful colors of yellow and green and gold. Uh And they stood out and they looked absolutely gorgeous. And I never forgot, you know. So 
So sometimes people come and ask you to do something in a frame shop and you think it's going to look horrible and then you see it in the site and it's, you know, so it was a wonderful lesson. She taught me, she taught me, well, besides a bit of humility, she she taught me to (laughs) really look and understand that there's a lot more ways than one way to do something. Ah, that is a wonderful story. You know, sometimes I don't in, I guess we do sort of think about our environment when we're planning a picture, but I I probably focus more about the piece and enhancing the piece. But I you're right, with that you probably do subconsciously bring in your environment that you're hanging it in. Um And everybody's got a different take. Some people do and some people don't. Some people want everything to look real stark and modern and some people are hanging things in an art gallery to be sold, so it has to be kind of generic and sometimes Mm -hmm. people are giving something away as a present. To, yeah. You know, so the way somebody who's 70 would like something framed is always different than the way somebody who's 20 would like something framed just because it's generational in the way you see things in presentation. Well, so. now I want to move on and talk about another area that you're particularly passionate about, and that is the photography area itself. Mm-hmm. When I visited your website, you also have a section on the most interesting pictures that you have taken or photographs that you have taken pardon me um and so tell me about that love that you have well i i had the love of photography instilled in me when my first boss gave me that nikon and whatever mm-hmm. that was 1972 or something mm-hmm. and uh i just love taking photographs i've always had a camera within arm's reach my whole life probably and there's just always one in my pocketbook or there's one stashed or in the backseat of the car or under my desk. And I've right. just been taking pictures my whole life. I never really showed them to anybody. I never really made much of a fuss about it. I just always took them. I would go on trips and I'd, you know, I wouldn't bring clothes. I wouldn't buy anything. I'd come back with 35 rolls of film. And, <laughs> I love it. You know, and, and, <laughs> and, and being a kid, you know, 35 rolls of film back then to get them developed was a whole bunch of money. And so it was. That would be half my vacation. I would always allot to film and yeah. developing and processing and prints. And, and I had boxes and boxes of stuff always carrying around. Mm-hmm. And uh, I made the switch over to digital when uh, my second husband promised to divorce me if I didn't because the whole house was starting to fill up with prints. <laughs> and we had a little tiny house. And uh, he, he just insisted that you're going to have a digital camera because I just can't take it. I can't take all these photographs everywhere. And I was like, okay. And then we had a flood and all of them got, you know, everything oh. was down. So most of that stuff got ruined. And he was so happy to throw it all away. And I was in tears <laughs> throwing away 30 years of my photographs. I can, I can see that picture. Yeah. Oh, I, so I, yeah. I had a water leak in my house, and a lot of pictures were ruined from, you know, children pictures. And so that just crushed my soul when that happens. But I can certainly relate to your pain. And, you know, it's just that sort of thing. Well, it was just time for the change. You know, I was like, okay, I guess we're letting go all that old stuff, and we're starting fresh. And uh, I started over with digital, basically. I pretty much lost everything I had right before that, so... Did you ever do anything with the Polaroid? Do you remember the Polaroid sure. camera? I always had a Polaroid. I had three of them, actually. And I have. I probably still have one downstairs, but I don't think you can get the film for it anymore. They stopped making it. Yeah. But uh, have you gone back and visited any of those pictures? 
They're they're fading in my house. Yeah, they're pretty much gone. Yeah. There's a few that are left, but I really, honestly, I kept all my photos together in a studio downstairs in my house, and they were all, the whole place got flooded. Oh, so they're all gone. Everything got thrown away, everything. Chris just went through everything and said, okay, good. This is, we're just throwing it all away. You don't even have to look at it, honey. I'll take care of it for you. And so, and it, you know, it was really kind of him in a lot of ways. You know, it wasn't yeah. so painful. I didn't have to see it, but they're all gone. So, yeah, right. Yeah. So you've started this new uh, career, and you like to take pictures not just locally, but you go to really very interesting countries to take pictures. Well, I do love to travel. I've had the travel bug my whole life as well. I think and- I started traveling by myself when I was twenty odd. Uh huh. And. uh you know, I sort of go away for a month at a time. I always, when I started my first store, actually, once I began Oyster Bay Frame Shop, I always made a point of every year closing for one month and going away somewhere fun for a month. And, and I did it every year, no matter what. And it was kind of, and everybody in town was like, you can't close and go away. And I'm like, watch me. <laughs> <laughs> sure, I can. You know? A little independent. And, and you know, and it's just like everybody tells you what you can't do in life. And it's like, well, nobody tells you when you can go away on vacation. Nobody gets you all excited and says, oh, why don't you do this? You know, but all these customers would come in. I'll tell you, you know, you, you were saying how much you love Bali to me the other day on the phone. Yes. And my first introduction to Bali was in my frame shop back in Oyster Bay when a man came in with a big, like a, a skin of an animal. And the back of it had been scraped in a pattern from the uh, shadow dancers. And ah. so there was this stamped out image of this very strange looking person, very stylized, gold leafed with all these holes and paint and color in the middle of the skin of an animal. And he wanted me to stretch it on a frame with, uh, it had holes all the way around it where it had been taped to, uh, you know, tacked to the ground mm-hmm. to stretch mm-hmm. it to dry. So yeah. we made a, a, an empty frame, a big frame, bigger than the piece all the way around. And then we took leather and laced it through all those holes into little, uh. into little screw eyes in the back of the frame all the way around. So it looked like it was, to me, it looked like it was hung from a big spider web. And, oh and they just loved it. These people thought this was the coolest thing they ever saw in their life. And I thought it was a little creepy, but it, <laughs> it was the first thing I ever heard about Bali or what kind of stuff that they do there. And then somebody else would bring in a watercolor that was so beautiful. And it really made me want to travel. I mean, right. customers bringing me things from all around the world just put that bug in me. And it's the uh-huh. same thing, you know, like with photographs. It, it, it told me about a part of the world that I never would have cared about or wanted to go to or thought anything of, but then you start to see the pictures of it. Yeah. And you want to go. A lady came in 15 years ago and brought me a watercolor of the temples of Begon in Burma. Mm -hmm. And it was the most beautiful watercolor. I just was like, I'm going there one day. Mm. And and I did. 10 years later, I was on a plane going there. I spent a month there wandering around and photographing the temples from up top and climbing up on them and looking around. It was just beautiful. Oh, my God. The the message there for our listeners is it doesn't matter how long it takes you to get to a place. It's that that place gets on that list and it becomes a law of attraction item then. It's more about I want to go this to see this place and by declaring it and putting it on a list and thinking about it it becomes a reality yeah and i love that part 
But how do you, do you have a working list now? Oh, yeah, my buckets list is, there's 200 <laughs> places on it at least. And I could add to it every day. <laughs> no. But uh, yeah, I, I love to travel. There's so much, so many places in the world that are so beautiful to go to. Right. And, uh, but do you know. have a criteria? I'm, I'm more inclined to go to underdeveloped countries than I am to, you know, Europe. Although there are beautiful things there to photograph, um, but I am more inclined inclined to go to uh, like Papua New Guinea or, or to yeah. Africa or to those countries. Well, um, you're a woman after my own heart. I, totally I know. Agree. I want to capture all these places. Well, before you know, they're gone. And it's fun to go to places that are really different. You know, yes. You go to Europe and half well. I, there's wonderful, beautiful things to see and do in Europe, Definitely. but it's not a whole lot different than a lot of things that you see and do here. That's so true. if you end up in a jungle, <laughs> <laughs> I don't have any jungles here that I could go and see, but I have lots of cities and churches and things like yeah, that. Right. And yeah. I don't know. Maybe that's naive on my part. But. No, I think it's more, we just have our own, we own our own drummer that we drum that we dance with, yeah. and uh, respecting that uh, inner voice in us that calls us to these different parts of the world is is important to listen to. Yeah. Uh, it identifies who we are. We are coming up on a break, and we will we will be talking more with Nina as she tells us about something new. She is. Uh, uh, starting to launch and again it's in the photography area so we will be back Nina to visit with you about your new venture great thank you we return with more of Second Wind with Joyce Buford after this short break Martha Sanchez, the host of Know the Radio Show, empowering women one topic at a time, invites you to join her on Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern on the Rockstar Radio Network. At the ripe old age of five, she was already interpreting information and documents and instructions on forms for her immigrant parents. Now, through her experience and those of her guests, she will provide you with information and resources that will empower you to balance your life, both professionally and personally, guiding you to become a healthier, happier, and more productive you. Through inspirational stories, examples, and sharing resources, Know the Radio Show and Martha Sanchez will put the focus back on your needs and goals and help cure the disease to please. For more on the show and Martha, check out her website, knowtheradioshow.com. Don't miss Know the Radio Show, empowering women one topic at a time, with host Martha Sanchez, Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern on the Rockstar Radio Network. Welcome back to Second Wind with Joyce Buford, a program focused for and about women. This is a show about how to attain your dreams. Now to help you create the life you want to live to its fullest, here is coach and author of Celebrating 365 Days of Gratitude, Joyce Buford. Welcome back. We are talking with Nina Bataller this morning, and we are having a fabulous conversation about photography 
and the art of framing pictures. Uh, so, Nina, when I referred to something new, you were sharing with me the, the what is it, the new, um, your new venture is going to be what? Um, well, my new venture is a website designed for people interested in photography and taking better photographs, mm-hmm. um, but not necessarily for people who are, consider themselves, you know, photographers or professional photographers. You know, nowadays everybody's got a camera, you know, on their cell phone, it seems like. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people are taking pictures, and I'm sure sometimes it'd be nice if you could just get the one out of your phone to look a little bit better. Yeah. Um, you know, I have an iPhone, and I just love my iPhone. Uh, I've been taking pictures with it now since they first came out, you know, since they weren't so great, but they were still pretty good. And So um, what, you're th- what you're talking about is an online... Uh, a resource. Uh, it's just, it's going to be... There's going to be a couple of components to it, but there's an mm-hmm. online resource for people interested in taking better photographs. Yes. People interested in traveling and taking photographs. And Mm -hmm. this is really going to be geared at women. Um, And also interviewing photographers who've been taking photographs all their lives and how they feel that their photographs impact the world. You know, Mm -hmm. I think the pictures that you take, I mean, even if you're next door neighbor, if you take pictures of somebody down in Tyler, Texas, and send them to me, I'm going to have a much different impression of what Texas is like than what I saw on the news years ago or, Mm. you know? Yes. And and everybody taking pictures and sharing them around the world really changes our view about the world. Right. So the better you can do them, you know, the better for everybody in terms of keeping track of your own history. You know, the photographs of our lives tell our stories. Oh, definitely. uh, You know, enabling people to share them. There'll be a sharing part of the site where you can put your own pictures up and comment. And it'll be sort of a safe place. Hopefully everybody's going to be kind about it. And, uh, you know, where you've been and what you want and what do you think and how to take better ones. And here's a bad one and here's a good one. And what do you think, how to compare them and how to, you know, I can show people just from cropping things and just changing the amount of light on it. That's it, you know changing the color or just shifting it ever so slightly. All these photo programs have just real simple controls in them. You learn how to use two things and you're done. You take something looking terrible and make it look great. So that skill. You need to promise me that you'll have one segment on iPhone photography. Sure. Because, you know, I'm not kidding. It is such a relief for me now to realize that if I've forgotten the camera, I always had that resource of the iPhone in my pocket. And I see more and more people taking pictures with their iPhones. So I think we're always interested in those special pictures to be made with some thought about composition, how we're going to, how it's going to look, is, you know, where do we place the tree and where do we place the open space and, and, uh, all of those are important to us when we're thinking about making a picture that will represent, um, an important time in our life. Mm-hmm. So well, I hope the, you're going to have The advantage of framing all these years is I've really come to, you know, I look at pictures every day for a living for 30 years. Yes. And I just look at them and stare at them and try to figure out how to make them look better. Uh-huh. 
So doing that for all these years has really given me a good understanding and an eye for how to present them. And yeah. so when you're presenting them, it's the same thing. When you're taking, if you've got a photograph and you want to make it look better, you're just presenting it. Mm-hmm. So, oh, gee, well, gee, if you, if you cut off this stick that's sticking out of this lady's head, <laughs> you know, it takes your eye out of that. So you just crop it a little here and you change that a little there. And I'm going to do a lot of before and after stuff and I'm going to work with people individually. I mean, I have one photographer I've worked with for 10 years and he would send me these photographs and I would just look like, how in the world, what are you thinking? <laughs> and then I'd put it onto my computer and I'd mess around with it for 10 minutes and I'd send it back and it looked like a million bucks and he'd enter it in some museum show and he gets, you know, he was winning all oh these my prizes. Goodness. I was like, these are horrible. How could you do that? <laughs> And then you just fix them a little. They didn't take very much to fix them and tweak them and change them and crop the garbage out on the side or lose the yeah. bad light, you know, that's sticking in at the top. Can but can you? Little- but can you do that, Nina, with an iPhone picture? Are these pictures absolutely. that are? Yeah, you no. can. Yeah, absolutely, I'd be happy. You can be my guinea pig. I'll be happy to work with you on that. Oh my! Because it's really goodness. fun. I mean, that's the whole point. You can do it with anybody's pictures of anything. And so that's what I'm going to teach people on the website is how they can take any image and make it look better. It doesn't matter what it is. Oh, and, I love it. Yeah, it's really fun. I mean, it's just a s- silly little thing, but in some ways of life, but in the other ways, it's nice because it's how you can share what you do in your life. Yeah. And then, you know, then the other component of this, though, to, the, the website will allow me a platform to interview people who are really wonderful photographers and people who have been taking yeah. pictures all their lives and, uh, you know, there's a lot of people who do stuff out there in the photo world that have their own projects that just breaks your heart when you read about them. You're like, nobody knows about this. How come, you know? So I'd like to have a platform for that. You know, yeah. Joe McNally is an example for me. I mean, he's um, a National Geographic photographer. And right after 9-11, he photographed all of the firefighters and the first responders in their uniforms uh, yeah. with a large format polaroid camera that the pictures are four foot wide by eight feet tall and there's 200 and something of them i think there's 280 but i don't know exactly and i mean they're giant polaroids and they're absolutely stunningly beautiful and Hmm. he took them because he's one of the best photographers in the world he's like my hero and (laughs) um he took them and and they sent them as a fundraiser to all these museums all around the united states they raised a few million dollars for the families of the firefighters that were lost in the in the world oh, that's Center. awesome. And, you know, and it's like this is his little private thing that he does yeah. on the side. I mean, I right. know Joe's looking for a sponsor to help pay for him because it costs something like $50,000 a year just to keep them in storage because they're eight-foot-tall oh. Polaroids and they have to have oh. a certain, you know, humidity environment. Yeah. And um, so, I mean, that'd be nice. Mm-hmm. And every yeah. every single photographer that I've been speaking to and reading about and thinking about, they all have something that they do like that themselves. They have a project that they work on, you know. Right. I was talking to yeah. Cynthia Kersey of Unstoppable.org, and mm-hmm. she um, she's decided that every kid in the world should have an education. And so she's gone over to Africa, and she's just going country by country and village by village and raised millions of dollars and wow. 25 stars in a village, and she'll bring in – water and health related mm-hmm. stuff and doctors mm-hmm. and, and so that kids can have an education just and so she's asked me to come and yeah. photograph it and I really think that my photographs will will help that process you know I'd oh, like to yeah. I'm gonna 
I'm lo- really looking forward to that. I'm going to Africa oh. with her next summer. And oh, awesome. she's already got 25 villages that she's built, I believe. Wow. And so I'm well, going to get to see all of that. And hopefully my photographs will influence you and your friends and everybody who goes to the website into helping support that cause. So, um, now, I want you to tell our listeners how to they can get to you, how they can find you. So tell us, share with us your, your website and your okay, other well, information. My- uh, my, my, my photography website right now is my name, Nina, it's www.ninabataller.com and it's spelled N-I-N-A and my last name is Bataller, B is in boy, A is in apple, T is in Tom, A is in apple, L is in lucky, L is in lucky, E is in Edward, R is in Richard. So it's ninabataller.com mm-hmm. and um the links to the new site are going to all run through that. It's not set up entirely, but I bet you by the time this airs, it will be. Um, the other website's going to be called imagecapturers.com. And I also have fine art photography of the Hamptons.com, just spelled, you know, Hamptons, H A M P T O N S. So those things are all going to be related. And uh, I'm going to. They- offer- if they go to one website, does it connect them to the other ones? Yeah, they should all be connected. So yeah, that's great. By September, yeah. have that all set up. That's my yeah. goal. And, and if it's yeah. not, please check back and have a look. And yeah. uh, should find is uh, right now, if you go to ninabataller.com, you're just going to see my photos, the different countries and places that I've been. So, Which I thought they were fascinating. There's one particular one that I'd like, and that was the one with the... Uh, it was a tribe with a horse, or a, no, it wasn't a horse. It was a uh, animal. They're in water. I don't. You remember? It's on the back of your card. Oh, oh, sure. That's in I Burma. That. That's in Burma. Yeah, that's in Burma, and uh, yeah, that's called no, because that cow doesn't want to have a bath, and that kid's dragging <laughs> that cow out into the water, and the cow's going no, and you know, the water's having so. a bath, and the kid's yeah. having a bath, and nope. <laughs> Well, Nina, you have absolutely been fascinating. I think it's so interesting to see how women's lives evolve. We start off on one path and we have a change and we go to another path and we have another change. But we are like a hummingbird. You know, we just we just kind of hover there and we change direction really well. And you know, we go through our tough times, but we also seem to land on our feet. And um, you are just a fascinating woman with so many different um, tentacles, if you will, out there just spreading out to the world. So I love that you have taken the time to visit with us today. Is there anything you'd like to share with us in the last few minutes of the show? Um. No, I really appreciate you asking me, and uh, if there's anything I can do for you, I'd be happy to. If there's any way that I could be of service in terms of photography for you or your listeners, or if you've got a project you're working on that you'd like me to publish, I'd be happy to share that as well. Fabulous. I think, uh, you know, we all go through all kinds of stuff. Yeah. You know, I've, gone, I've gotten divorced twice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't even want to talk about that. You keep moving forward, girl. <laughs> yeah, you just got to keep going, you know. You just got to reinvent yourself every day. 
you know, it's like, okay, well, if a uh, film isn't working so hot or, you know, it's just getting to be more crazy, then go to digital. And if, uh, you know, this, that, and the other. Just yeah. keep doing what's new. I mean, I just embrace digital technology. I'm, I'm happy to have my business online. I think it's wonderful. You know, well, keep up with it. Well, Nina and I have reconnected. We were both students of Jack Canfield in his yep. uh, uh work and so anyway it's been such a pleasure nina i look forward to the next time that we're visiting i look forward to the time i'm in the east hampton to visit your framing shop so welcome thank you thank you for being here with me today it's been exciting and interesting i've i've loved knowing more about the miss nina bataller (laughs) and um so anyway, thanks for sharing your information with other women listening today. Okay, well, thank remember, you very much, too. Remember, you've been listening to Joyce Buford, Second Wind. Thank you for joining us on today's edition of Second Wind. Join us again next week at the same time as Joyce and her guests share strategies of growth and renewal. You'll learn how to attain goals and dreams and create the life you want to live to its fullest.